1: The Buck Off Podcast with Lane Grant. Hosted by Christopher Rennie and joined by Jordan Williams. Welcome, to everybody. This shows Christopher Rennie with another episode of the Buck Off Podcast with Land Graham. Holy Land, and as always, I'm joined by Jordan Williams. How you do today,
0: Jordan? Man, I'm doing good. Can't complain. How about yourself?
1: Yeah, I'm doing good. You know, it's uh, it's Wednesday. I've got a lot less energy on Wednesdays than Thursdays when we're recording this. Uh, but yeah, we've got a lot, got a lot to talk about today. We're kind of taking a biggest storylines approach, a biggest questions approach to our final season preview. Uh, We've got some news and notes. We're going to make some predictions for the schedule and our stat leaders at Ohio state. But yeah. uh, Did you know there's football games this weekend? College football. I can't wait. I'm going to be, uh,
0: Drugged up legally on some uh, some medication after my surgery. Just laying on the couch watching the college football game. No care in the world.
1: That's absolutely the dream, honestly. Uh, just laying in like nice sleepy state. Just college football on your television. Nothing, nothing better. Nothing better honestly. than that. I, I don't think there's any other way you could get through a Northwestern Nebraska football game. But <laughs> the fans of those programs tend to prove it every year that there is. And I think I know the solution to that. And it starts with beer and ends with maybe another drink of choice, whatever you're
0: kind of feeling. You know, there are a lot of options. Significantly more options than I have ever been because yeah. now every single, I mean, every single company has some form of cider or whatever they're called. Like, you have the good ones, like the Mike's Heart, the Simply Lemonades, that kind of stuff. Then you have, like, the bad ones that people still drink, like the, uh, the, uh, White Claws and like whatever this, the seltzers. That's what those are called. Every single seltzer I've, I've ever had is nasty. And then you have like the local brewery stuff. And then you have a real beer and then you have hard liquor, wine. I mean, like it's, whatever you want is out there. They have like, I, I'm going to, I'm about to sound like an alcoholic. I could just name all of these. Have you ever had the Jack Daniels cans, like their canned drinks? I have seen them. I have not participated in those myself. (laughs) All of them except the Apple one? Spectacular. And they're low-key a waste of money obviously if you would just rather buy hard liquor and like make drinks but for me if you're like on a limit if you're like i'm going to a party i don't want to share or like i don't want to you know get like super drunk something like that you buy it's like a little four pack really good like they're jack and coke i was like there's no way this is going to be good it's actually like a really good mixture their lemonade one is good their honey or whatever yeah, pretty solid. So
1: yeah. And with all, all that
0: options. With all that being said,
1: drink responsibly. This is a of show course. that is definitely drink responsibly. I feel but like if you gonna,
0: need a drink to get through that game, I understand.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we understand,
0: but also know the lots.
1: Um, yeah, I'm excited. I mean Scott Frost, Pat Fitzgerald, both coming off incredibly disappointing seasons. One is definitively on the hot seat, one is one we both believe should be starting to feel the heat. But as we know, Northwestern in even years tends to be a pretty challenging football team. Uh, but this is an Ohio State podcast, so let's get started with some news and notes here today. Um, train them. take snaps at running back. I don't think we need to talk about this too much. Uh, I think, you know, having another body in case of emergency... Never a bad thing. You know, he has Division One level running back experience. We kind of talked about this last week, I believe, when the Evan Pryor injury news came out, that this could potentially be an emergency scenario possibility. But to prepare for an emergency, you do have to get him comfortable taking handoffs. You do have to get him comfortable running inside zone stretch. You know, the three-run plays Ohio State does. So I don't think it's going to be – too labor-intensive to keep him ready with the basics. But if Chip Traynum is taking snaps for Ohio State at running back this year, that is a very bad thing.
0: Yeah, I'm actually pretty convinced he won't, though.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm in that same boat. I think there there's too much health. I think Dallin Hayden being very trusted by Tony Alford is RB3. Uh, I, I just think as long as you limit – I guess the beating that the running backs take, there should be no necessary need for a fourth running back, especially one from the defense who should be spending most of his time focusing on that as he tries to get into the rotation a little bit.
0: Yeah. Do you remember Dallin Hayden's recruitment? I remember that there was a specific reason that he was ranked low quote-unquote, but everyone thought he was better than his ranking. Do you remember why that was, or am I making that up? I just uh, I remember everyone it's... saying, like, oh, he's much better than his ranking, which wasn't bad, but it wasn't yeah, like he's... number three running back in the class, and everyone was like, nah, this kid's a stud. Do you remember why he was like, quote-unquote, under
1: Yeah, I mean, I think he was just he's a little undersized. Um, you know, he didn't have a lot of those great exposure. It's like, Highlight Mix definitely did not look like Travion Henderson his three years, but he did have, like, like that mix of power, explosiveness. You know, he could carry a few guys on him if he needed to. He's good in short yardage. It's just, I think, the combination of a pretty solid running back class on top of him playing in Tennessee versus one of the football power states and then being a little on the – smaller side for most of his recruitment kind of set him back until his senior year when he got a little bit bigger
0: mm-hmm. yeah I couldn't I couldn't remember why I just know that uh, everyone said that he was better than his ranking and then I yeah. watched his tape and I was like ah, I could see that he looks pretty solid you know it's always funny when everybody says he's
1: better than his ranking it's when you just think to yourself like why don't we change this guy's ranking but they never do hmm <laughs> It's also hard. Like, running backs kind of a hard position to evaluate, I'd say, too. I think we've talked about that before on the show. Where it's like there's so many different types of running backs. There's the really big running backs, there's the speed guys, and there's the kind that Ohio State likes where you need to be able to make those big plays. But like J.K. Dobbins, like Zeke, like Trey Sermon, they were able to get tough yards and run with a bunch of physicality. And I think Dallin Hayden brings that to the table. And he kind of fit the profile Ohio State's looking for more than a lot of backs in his class.
0: Yeah, I don't remember the running backs in his class, to be honest. I know Nick Singleton, who is yeah. supposedly a stud and is at Penn State, but is gonna run behind one of the worst offensive lines in the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean
1: it doesn't like I it doesn't seem like there's like this overly strong running back class. Like, I know, like you said, Nick Singleton's supposed to be all-world and should be, like, a week one starter for Penn State. But, like, looking at the rest of them, I just think, you know, it's kind of that mix. A lot of Texas guys in front of him. He's got one guy in front of him from Tennessee as well. So, it's really just – probably just a mix of all those little things that go against someone's recruitment. And that's just how it is sometimes. Like if you don't go to a national power, like Relique Brown, modern day high school, like it does hurt a little bit.
0: Is Relique Brown, the little guy that runs like a four 2 Yep. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't want him on my team because he's like, 165 pounds, but boy, was that kid fast. Yeah, and yeah,
1: I mean, that's just also something I think that goes into a lot of running back recruiting is how you feel about the player, what he brings to the table. Like, next year, Stacy Gage is the guy that Ohio State's going to go all in on, and he's that same mold as, like, J.K. Dobbins where he's, like, 5'10", 5'11", but he's, like, 215 pounds and explosive. Like, that's what... Tony Alford wants, that's what Ryan Day wants. He wants back so he can do it all. And I think you look at the three guys, Trayvon Henderson, Mayan Williams, Dallin Hayden, and Evan Pryor, they could all do everything.
0: Yeah, well, so Ohio State has him listed at 5'10", 195 pounds. Uh, but he... Won Tennessee's Mr. Football twice. He was the named Offensive Player of the Year. He rushed for 2,000 yards, 33 touchdowns. Uh, in 23 games, he amassed 4,000 yards, 174 per game, and uh, 57 touchdowns. So, essentially he averaged, he ran for 2,000 yards, 32 touchdowns in one season, and then he ran for 2,000 yards and 24 touchdowns a different season. Uh, yeah, no, I was right. 2,000 yards, 24 touchdowns as a junior. That's disgusting. Uh, his dad played at Tennessee and in the NFL for San Diego, Green Bay, and Philadelphia. His brother played at Arkansas and Illinois. Uh, I, I he, he may seem like he's a little underranked to me. I I can see why he lost his stripe decently early, and they at least think he can be a third guy.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I I think like how the NFL pedigree is taken so far into consideration for some people, that it's like totally forgotten about with others is wild to me from recruiting services. But yeah, I think it was just a funny how. Chip Traynham taking snaps at running backs a big story. I think it's just coaches doing due diligence at the end of the day. You know, just having an extra option uh, there. You know, break glass in case of emergency. You know, those fire hydrants are in apartments and they're in like buildings and stuff. They're not there to use every day. You just need to be prepared to know where they are. Uh, all right, Jim Knowles says 75% of defense is installed. We'll probably stay at 75% because you can never reveal too much of your defense, even to your own staff. I like that mindset. It's never complete, it's never uh, fully done. You could always add more, you could always take stuff away to simplify it. And I think, I think Jim Knowles understands the game because. I was listening to some other friends of the show, uh, and they're just talking about it. it's like, yeah, could you imagine if Ohio State, like if Jim Knowles was on the staff last year, and Al Washington ended up at Notre Dame? Now Al Washington knows the entirety of Ohio State's defense, so you always got to have some aces up your sleeve when you're a coach, and Jim Knowles probably understands that better than anybody, and now. I think I'm excited because he's feeling really confident and was, like seemed genuinely excited about how much of his defense is installed and how not effortless it was, but how much the Ohio state players were able to take on.
0: Yeah. Um, and like, if you listen to his interviews, they're entirely different. Like he wasn't saying like, he was not optimistic. In the beginning And it's not that he shouldn't Have been optimistic But it was very much Like we'll see Sure they're talented But they have to earn it They have to learn the defense They have to do this, this Like you know All of these things That yeah. he was setting out Like he wasn't just like Giving it to him And so for him to be So like openly optimistic In things right now I, I genuinely think That means that they're Killing it Which is really just Bad for me Because I'm so ready To be hurt again Yeah I'm I'm incredibly
1: ready To be hurt again Like you, what you're saying Is right In the spring Jim Knowles is like yeah, like things are going smoothly. They still have to earn it. We've got fall camp. We still have a long way to go with installing the defense, but I like what I see right now. I like the progress we've made. Nothing definitive, nothing exciting. What a few weeks ago Jim Knowles is saying, "Hey, I wish he said we could be a, we should be a top 5 defense." Like that came out of Jim Knowles' mouth, not a player's mouth. Like that's a defensive coordinator setting those expectations. That is confidence. That is belief. And hearing him talk about not only the starters like Ronnie Hickman, like Tommy Eichenberg, Steel Chambers, some of the guys on the defensive line, like not only talking about those guys, but the guys who, you know, separate teams, the Court Williams, the Lathan Ransoms, those guys. If you're starting 11 can make all the plays, that's great. But if you have 17, 18, 19 guys, you feel incredibly confident in to make a play at any time and in any given scenario, and you could use their strengths. That's what it's feeling like Jim Knowles is believing in right now. And you can hear in the way he talks about Court Williams, and the way he talks about Lathan Ransom, the way he talks about Tommy Eichenberg, and the way he talks about Ronnie Hickman, Josh Proctor. Like he doesn't hold back. Even the corner position. Was a little concerned about depth. Feels very confident about where they're at right now. Says J.K. Johnson's improved a lot. Jordan Hancock, he talks about him in ways should be reserved for fans. And that's that's where Jim Knowles is at. So guess where I'm at? I'm with you. I'm ready to get hurt again.
0: Yeah. Uh, the one actually thing, and I, I don't want to – oh, man. Sorry. I'm watching the Little League World Series, and this kid just robbed a home run. He's also, like, 5'8 at 12", which is disgusting because, like, he he's pretty tall. Uh He didn't even jump for it. That is so off topic. But like, if anyone was watching the game, he just robbed a home run that would have tied the game. That was pretty major. I am 12. $50 bill. Just like perfect catch. Just like, like top of the glove, literally two centimeters more. And it would have been a home run. And he just like, just reached back there. That's crazy. I would talk about that forever. I would be 50. Talking about the play I made when I was twelve. That is wild. Anyways, I don't want to spiral. Uh, but the one quote that's not on here that I'm surprised you didn't put on here is I, don't th- I think it was this. It was this week when he basically said that. I'm fine with Larry Johnson rotating p- players, but essentially I would prefer if he had a core group. And he also talked about how he's not going to rotate safeties despite how much he believes in them. And that is just not Larry Johnson. That's yeah, Larry. Larry Johnson's philosophy. And like, I don't know that they're necessarily going to crash on that, but that's something that I want to pay attention to because it's it, especially with linebackers. We may get some transfers because it seems like he's going to play his guys. Uh And so while there's a lot of recruitment because there needs to be, there's also seems like there's going to be some like I don't know how the numbers are going to work, but I'm really interested to see like who plays because it seems like. He's like, my defense is hard. I'm going to play the guys that know it and the guys that play. Like, I'm not worried about depth. I'm not worried about getting snaps. I'm not worried about rotating. If you're good, you're my guy. You're going to play as much as possible. And that is a... That is a stark difference from anything Ohio State has ever done, especially in the secondary. I mean, uh, Kerry Coombs was known for having a four to s- four to six man rotation of a- all first round picks that you could just throw out there. And sure, the the guy played a little bit more than the others, but they all got a lot of snaps and important snaps in games. So um, it is I don't an interesting know if you have any thoughts on that, but that's it's, it's a- definitely a change.
1: It's an interesting like philosophical difference that we we were used to and I think especially on the back end I I could still see where Larry Johnson's way works for the defensive line I think you want to keep your big bodies fresh and have your guys ready to go at all times you know kind of take the wear off the body as well throughout the game so they're like the main guys are fresher in the third and fourth quarter but in the secondary I kind of agree with them I don't think you necessarily want to rotate your safeties out. I think the safety position is such a position based in the and kind of getting that momentum and seeing the quarterback and seeing how he reacts. I think corners, the matchups very, you know, I think Kerry Combs's approach was we're going to have our guys rotate on you and your guy's going to run hundred routes. Our guys are going to run about 30 a piece. And then that last little bit of the game, our guy's going to have fresh legs. Your guy's not. And that philosophy is something when you have the guys. And I do think the corner rotation is probably still going to be three guys, four guys, maybe, but I think the snap count differential is going to be much different. I think it's going to be more a 70 for the main guy, 30 for the understudy at corner. I think, The safeties are going to play like 90 to 95% of the snaps. And if you're the matchup for that game, so I fully believe Court Williams and Lathan Ransom are going to have big roles against Notre Dame and Wisconsin. But against a team like Maryland, you're going to have Cam Martinez and Tanner McAllister taking on significant aspects of that game. So in those types of situations, I still think that the snap count is going to favor the player who's matching up versus the traditional, whoever you think the starter is.
0: Yeah, I, I think I agree with that. Um, going to be really fun to see. Yeah, and like, I think that's why he keeps mentioning the depth because he's like, I think like in his circle, he has no idea what to do with it. He's like, I've always just played the guy because I didn't have another Guys, guy. Behind yeah. him. So how do I handle this? Because like my philosophy is to play the guy until we can't play no more. It's going to be interesting. I, I think that's like the stuff like we could talk about.
1: We could really discuss, but we're not really going to know who Jim Knowles is as defense coordinator at Ohio State until he he coaches his first game, and that's that's really what I'm most excited for. Like I'm doing, I'm finishing up my film article after this. Uh, I'm looking at how Oklahoma State was successful against Notre Dame in the first half or the second half of that game. It doesn't really. Fully translate. Like this is just an idea of how Notre Dame attacked him and how Oklahoma State was successful. There is not a single player on Oklahoma State's roster with the athletic profile as Josh Proctor, and that's going to change a lot of things for Jim Knowles as a defensive coordinator.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, very interested by that for sure. Um, it's going to be fun. Next, like, the first month, maybe months and a half, month and a half, if we really drag it out, of the offseason is going to be very interesting because the review that we can do, I, hopefully we're celebrating a national championship, but the review that we can do of the defense and actually looking at the defense and looking at the stats and looking at the video and all of that kind of stuff is going to be – because, like, midseason – like right six games in is going to be interesting whenever that bye week comes like that that week is going to be interesting And then the end of the season when we can actually analyze it and uh i'm gonna have to find a way not to not to step on your toes cause i'm gonna bring back uh defense one on one eventually probably midway through the season when i actually have some things to look at so we're gonna have to talk about that to make sure we're not doing the same article or we can do a joint article again like we did at one point last year but uh I'm tired of talking about it, man. I'm tired of, like, projecting. just want to see it. I it know just you're tired it. of looking at Oklahoma State film. I had to stop looking at Oklahoma it's, State film. It's this weird because like, they're an orange. Season. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's just weird.
1: I'm like, why am I watching this? And I remember, I'm like, oh, yeah, this guy's defense is going to be our defense now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Knowles uh, says CJ Stroud's the best he's been around. And one of my favorite things about any time Noel talks about the offense or the opposing quarterbacks. It's like, I've been around some guys. You, you ever heard of Eli Manning? I was at Ole Miss coaching against Eli Manning. And it kind of takes me back a little bit. Like Jim Knowles, Eli Manning, obviously two time Super Bowl winning quarterback, but CJ Stroud in college seems like a different level. But I also wasn't, a, I wasn't really uh, aware of what Eli was doing at the time. So, That's how long Jim Knowles has been in the game, longer than I've actually had sentient ideas about football.
0: Yeah, a little too young for that. A little too young. But my my memories of Eli are in the ugly Giants
1: uniforms. Yeah, and but the the comments about Stroud being that level of quarterback, NFL first round pick, like best he's been around. And Jim Knowles has seen, like, not only from the aspect of just in his time on his own teams. But he's been a defensive coordinator against a lot of good guys. Like he was at Duke when Jameis Winston was there. He's seen NFL quarterbacks across from him for decades. And now he's got one he has to practice against every day. And he says the way C.J. Stroud diagnoses things, the way C.J. Stroud sees the game and how far ahead of stuff he is, like that's just not something you can teach. And it's just something some players have.
0: Yeah, like we've been saying for years, right? Like, iron on iron, iron on iron, right? Iron sharpens iron. But when the offense is iron and the defense is a rock, only the offense is getting sharpened. Like, I don't know if that's a good analogy, but the defense was a rock. They weren't iron, so they weren't getting sharpened. And the offense has... Essentially, alluded to that, that like practice used to be like they wouldn't keep saying if it was real. Like the players are the ones who keep bringing it up. Like they, Jim knows has brought up CJ because they asked, but like every time you ask the offensive player, offensive player a question, it's like they literally they're all just like the defense is better, defense is better, or they're, they're winning some days, they're winning some snaps, this, that, and the third. And they wouldn't do that if it wasn't real. So for me, it's like, now it's really iron again. It's not iron against rock where only the offense is getting sharpened. Like now they're really sharpening each other. And uh, that's dangerous. That is
1: dangerous. Uh, yeah, I, I just think it's, it's good because I feel like after the Big Ten scrimmage, a lot of people were like, oh, yeah, CJ Stroud struggled in the scrimmage. I'm like, yeah, that's probably because the defense is better. And that's how I took it, and that's what it feels like. So uh, I'm hoping that continues to be the correct way to view that. And then to build on that, uh, what you were saying was Tanner McAllister says we've been giving them trouble. Ask the offensive guys. And Jim Knowles said we've put them into some competitive situations, which means we've won some, they've won some. It's been competitive. Hearing that, you know, best offense in the country potentially. Defense giving them trouble. Hey, that's either really good or we really bad for the offense, and I don't think it's that.
0: So that means it's really good. Yeah, I don't I think that because uh, it's just like the likelihood that the offense is bad is slim. Even can't if we like, a step back from last year, it's slim. So that is just a positive for the
1: defense. I can't even, like, realistically, and this is probably just because I'm getting so excited for the football season, I can't even, like, realistically see the offense being bad, like having a bad moment. And I know that's setting myself up for failure, but, like, that's where I'm at. That's how close we are to the season.
0: Hmm.
1: Every time me and Jordan bring up uh, how close we are to the season, take a sip of something.
0: They Make sure at home. Key. Yeah. Give someone, <laughs> give, give, give someone your keys because it's gonna get close. close. Yeah.
1: <laughs> All right. So, I mean, we kind of touched on the news and notes. Not a lot. You know, if you guys want to check out, there's tons of visitors coming for that Notre Dame game. Guys who are committed, guys who are uncommitted. A lot of 2024, 2025 recruits, so those lists are getting built up. was time to come. Bronny's
0: even, yeah, LeBron James. Also did, make, which, which also makes sense because LeBron probably wants to come with him to these things because he's actually a good parent. And bas- they're probably going to knock him out before basketball starts. Yeah. And, also, they do play basketball, so I, I'm guessing this is maybe the time kind when of basketball play. What did, either way, he's trying to come to that game is the point. Yeah, but LeBron will be at the game. Bronny will be at the game.
1: It's going to be a fun game. And, you know. I was thinking about this. I even tweeted it. Like, you know, I think Bronny wanted to go to Duke to play for Coach K. Guess who's not there anymore? Coach K.
0: I don't even think he holds an offer from Duke. I can I, no, I have no reason to believe that he wanted to go there unless he said that. And I think people, like, underestimate – and I understand why partially. I think people underestimate LeBron's fandom of Ohio State. He literally grew up in Akron. Like LeBron's fandom in college teams does not change that much. Now, no, it's always Andy, Ohio State. like now, like professional teams that always changes. But a part of that is like being one of the biggest athletes in the world, and so you want to support the athletes in the city that you're in. So, I get, like, making fun of his professional jokes because LeBron has been the biggest fan of every professional team in every city that he's ever been in. Browns, always, the Lakers, like, the Dolphins, the Cowboys. You name it. He's always a Rams fan. Like, what are you yeah. talking like, I But, like, LeBron has always stayed true to Ohio State. And if Nike would ever give it up, which I'm not sure they will, but they did for Michigan, so maybe they would – Ohio State is eventually going to be a LeBron school. He only has one so far, and he did it with an HBCU, which makes a ton of sense. But, like, when he—because they they haven't really officially announced the LeBron brand yet. Um, He's talked about it, but he's talked about, like, wanting to do it right. So it's still only Jordan, and then Steph Curry has a brand on Under Armour. The LeBron brand doesn't really exist. When that happens— I would imagine if Nike will give it up because, I mean, it still goes to the same company, but it's a little different because like LeBron's going to get some of that money if it's in his brand. If Nike's going to give it up, Ohio State will 100% be a LeBron school. The basketball program is basically already a LeBron program. So I think – and Bronny spent a a large majority of his life in Ohio. So not saying he's going to go to Ohio State for that, but I would not underestimate it as much as people are because lebron is genuinely from ohio he's not a fake ohioan yeah he's from here he spent most of his professional life here in two different stints his family still lives here the connections are there and
1: lebron has said it time and time again that if he wanted to play college basketball for a year
0: it would have it been be, on state and everyone's like oh it would have been duke and i'm like uh, why Like It wouldn't have been dude. Ohio no, <laughs> State was not A bad basketball team At the time Like
1: They were a good no, basketball no. Not a great basketball They were a good basketball team And LeBron could Go one and done <sighs> Knock it yeah, out so. Win one for the home state Which he should have done Honestly I don't think Ohioans Could ever even say anything After he left Cleveland If he did that But that's revisionist history Yeah Why
0: why why go to college when you should be the best player in the world at freaking 19? You're going to be the number one picket. Yeah, I I mean,
1: I'm taking that every time. All right, so let's get into our 2022 season preview. I came up with a list of questions just kind of from scouring Twitter a little bit. You know, what am I feeling? What have me and Jordan talked about on the show? And just kind of going into like one last, not prediction, but... In this sense, but like we are going to discuss, like what needs to be done, and by the end of it, it should end up having us both predict a very successful season for Ohio State when we do the schedule prediction. So, to get started, I think let's finish where we left off. Jim Knowles, can he truly lead a Buckeyes defense resurgence and? With that, I don't want to get into like the whole top 10, top five thing. You know, I think statistics help tell the story, but I want that feeling, the true resurgence. Hey, this defense is dangerous. Like they could go out and win you a football game. Like, you feel like the offense can go out and win you a football game every time it plays. I want to feel like the Silver Bullets can win a football game for Ohio State again. Can Jim Knowles bring that level of
0: resurgence in your world? Absolutely, uh, I will say this. In my opinion, I'm going to call them the silver bullets, but they'll never be the silver bullets. Largely because that style of play is gone. The silver bullets that we love is a linebacker led defense that like is like the college version of the Chicago Bears and stuff like that. So. I don't think that'll happen, but I think there'll be a much faster, a much smarter defense. Uh, you may not see the big hits and, and that kind of stuff. That's not really a part of the game right now. And I don't think that's what Jim knows is going to be teaching. Right. But I think you should see an uptick in interceptions and, and, and big plays and stuff like that. And like, it's just going to be fun to watch again. Like players are just going to be flying around making plays. Uh, and I think that, um, yeah, I, th- I think it's it's going to be different than we've ever seen before, but it's going to be fun, uh, is essentially how I would put it. Uh, it's going to be the silver bullets of 2022, right? I and mean, we're never going to get the silver bullets of the 90s or the early 2000s, like that's just not how football's played, but um. I think he can bring it back. I think he's going to lead a defensive resurgence. I think that, although who knows if he's a good recruiter, but I think he's going to make recruits want to play defense at Ohio State again. And if we start getting some players into the league at higher clips, like this could be a sustained thing. Um, I fully expect that. I have no doubt about it. I think the resurgence is here. You asked specifically in year one. I, I think so. Like, you, we're not like you said. We're not going to do numbers and top five, top this, top that. But the defense is going to be better end of the day the defense is going to be better it's going to be fun to watch and i would not i mean i don't know if the defense is ever going to win us a game i don't think the defense can genuinely win us a game until it's we're in the playoffs and the national championship yeah that's- i don't know that we're going to face anyone that could handle our offense until we play alabama and georgia and like that kind of stuff but i think that they're going to i mean we may see some shutouts again Against some, like, they may be so good that, like, bad teams get shut out again. And and I think when we get to that higher level, we're not going to be as concerned, right? Because I remember, you know, getting to the Alabama game and being concerned. And this is not to say that we're gonna walk in and say, Oh, we're gonna run over to Alabama, it's still Alabama. But it's not gonna be as you remember going into the twenty nineteen Clemson game and like yeah. that actually that was one of our better defenses, but still you remember going into like the twenty twenty Clemson game you and like did it kind of and it's you like didn't yeah, know what was yeah, but can the defense get any stops and we're doing this, oh, we just need one or two stops and we can do it I don't think we're going to feel that way anymore I think we're going to be like, we have, we're have. we bringing an offense and we're bringing the defense now it's just about how we match up in those one or two plays that determine a game against someone as good as Alabama
1: Yeah, I know, I'm with you on that I, I think he really can lead the resurgence and the reason I wanted to talk about it from like that emotional standpoint is because It sucks watching a defense and never knowing on third down, like not feeling confident at all. Like every time Ohio State had like a third and four last year, I'm like, well, they're going to get it. Uh, The only time it felt like Ohio State got off the field was when they had them in third and eight plus situations. So I think Jim Knowles from a structure standpoint, Jim Knowles from a strategy standpoint, Jim Knowles from a disguise standpoint, just adding that level of organization takes them one level. And then – I feel like there's been like a self level of accountability from the players to not let a performance like that happen again. So you take the brain of Knowles, you take that self like motivation from the current defensive players, and you're probably going to have an like, a very intense defense that wants to make plays. That's their gang tackling, people flying all over the place, hitting, and you're going to start hearing the pads clash. And that's really what it's all about.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think that um, I think that one thing that's interesting for me is the offense keeps talking like we talked about before, the offense keeps talking about how they struggle and things like that. Well, the offense has time to figure it out. Because they see them every day. This is not going to be a defense that's easy yeah. to figure out in 60 minutes. So if nah, you get off yeah, on the wrong foot, right? are, you, mm-hmm. like, are you going to be able to figure out what's going on in 60 minutes? Are you going to be able to make halftime adjustments? That He has a defense that can kind of spiral, that can kind of make teams spiral. And so, you know... It's all going to be on the players. I think that this staff has done a good job from everything I've heard. I've seen how they talk, how the players talk, that kind of stuff. It's going to be up to the players to really have the mastery and to be in the right spots and to not revert to bad habits and that kind of stuff. So all of that kind of stuff matters. But I think what is there can be special.
1: Yeah, and you just look at the roster, you look at the talent. We're going to talk more about that here in a little bit, but – it just feels like there's like a perfect storm coming together. And this is year one. And a lot of these players aren't draft eligible and we'll be back for one more season after this. So it is, it, it really has its chance to be a really successful two years for Jim Knowles to get started at Ohio state and any level of defensive consistency. I'm not even going to say like a dominant defense, but just consistency, you know, relying every play like that they're going to be in the right place you know, other teams' players are going to make plays. That's just uh, something you have to accept when you watch the sport of football. But it's limiting those plays as much as you can. I think that's a strength of Knowles, And that's what will lead to the defensive resurgence, honestly.
0: Yeah, and I, and I want to say this, and I won't rain on it, but a 4-2-5 does not determine how good you are against the run. So the players are going to make that determination. And when they go out there, if they've really bought in and if they're really talented, well, we know they're talented, but if they've really bought in and they really play the way that they're supposed to play with toughness and grit and want to, a desire to be good, the defense is also going to be good. Cause it's not just about the coaching, the coaching's there, the scheme is there, that kind of stuff is going to be there and he's going to put them in a position to succeed, but the players also have to put themselves in a position to succeed. And so, If there's a bad game, uh, I'm going to be very much watching the players and things like that to see kind of what's going on to try to figure out if that difference. If it it is scheme or if it's just the players uh, and and things like that because I do trust the scheme and we've seen it work. And so now the players have to work. And everything that they've said is that they are working and have been working. So I think that we should expect that, which is also going to help because, you know... Some you could just tell that there was some dissension in the locker room, and there was some differences with the players and the coaches, and amongst the players and things like that. And, and, and said, in the press conferences, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. And I say it all the time: like football is a sport. Like you, you need to like you need to have the relationship and the desire that you want to run through a wall for the person next to you, and, and you want to run through a wall for your coach. And if you don't have that, it seeps into your play. And so, if they have that on top of better coaches, which is on top of scheme and other things like that, then it's going to be um, – it's going to be something, you know, that we're going to be talking about positively for a while, I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right. right, let's. We talked about the defense. Let's talk about the offense. How good can the offense be? And I put in parentheses on the show plan, 2019 LSU, 22 Alabama or less. You know, we – have seen some elite offenses, and Ohio State's offense last year had a chance to get into that category with LSU and Alabama, but I feel like the defense actually took that away from them. So, Um, Are you sure it wasn't up there with 2020 Alabama? Well, 2020 Alabama won a national championship, and I didn't feel like their offense ever slipped down in the second half of their season, where I felt like there was times where Ohio State's defense... Like we had the Penn State game, we had the Nebraska, or offense, Penn State, Nebraska. There were some, not necessarily stinkers, but not greatest offense of all time type of
0: performances. I guess that's fair. Uh, I don't have much to say about that.
1: Uh, but yeah, I, I think there are two places I need to see this offense improve third down, efficiency, getting that yard or two when you need it and then can you go get a bucket when you need it can you put the dagger into the opponent when you need it and I felt like that was something that you saw from Joe Burrow that's something you saw from Mac Jones you go back that's something you saw from even like you know that's what those Oregon teams did with Chip Kelly even though not to the same extent but you know anytime you have the the blood in the water you're the shark circling can you Make that final blow Can the offense do that And if they do those two things I think they have a chance to Possibly even Statistically get past those two
0: Teams that I brought up Yeah I think I mean I don't know I don't have much Opinions on the offense Because they're going to be What they're going to be The offense had one problem Shorty Yeah Lack of physicality Honestly and honestly, I don't think you need to be physical to be good at short yardage. Physical is preferred, but there are teams that are physical and still aren't good short yardage. I think it was a mix of a lot of different things. You know, we have already we don't have to go through the whole thing again. Play calling, predictability, all of that. Kind do of stuff. Not we, we've done all of that before. Um, but their one defense was short yardage, and that was on – getting first downs and scoring in the red zone it's the same like you know same thing so um if they get better at that i don't think anything else matters uh and so that's going to be the thing that is going that's the thing that quote unquote held them back last year um because they could do all the big plays and things that they wanted to but they needed to to get some more points and some of those short yards some more touchdowns in some of those short yardage situations
1: yeah and I I just think the offensive line was approached. I think you made changes with the coaching, and then I think we're both very pro guards existing and playing because I think there is a lower pad level. There is a different build. Guards are usually like the strongest guys on the team from like just naturally, like they're just strong, stout dudes and. I, I think that alone. I, I have I have a good feeling that week one against Notre Dame, they're a big defensive line. They have a traditional nose tackle, 300 pound plus type of guy. We're gonna get that's gonna be an immediate test to see. Oh man, is Ohio State going to have some struggles in that regard? Is this first game lulls? Those are gonna be questions we're gonna be asking. And if those questions are answered against Notre Dame, I have a feeling they're gonna be answered against. Uh, Wisconsin, I have a feeling they're going to be answered against Michigan and teams that
0: play the style that took advantage of Ohio
1: State last year.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, I'm not going to get into my Notre Dame thing. I don't think the Notre Dame game is going to tell us anything except how fun the defense is to watch because I just don't think they're good. Like everyone's talking about like Notre they Dame to do the Michigan game plan. I think they Black would have beat Notre Dame even yeah. if they try to do the Michigan game plan So I just, whatever I,
1: Yeah, last year's team beats Notre Dame I, I agree with that I think Notre Dame's offense is not going to be good enough To tell us something about the defense
0: No Especially with the starters With with the people that they've lost No guarantee if that offensive line was going to play uh, You know uh, Got a first time starter yeah. the quarterback yeah. Who's You're replacing
1: an NFL yeah. running back. You have like multiple receivers who are going to be contributors. Hurt like, and are any of them any good anyway? Yeah. And that's the question. So, I it, I think first game jitters. Like the first quarter, it's going to be close. It's really going to be how Ohio State responds. And I don't even know if that's true. I'm really talking myself into a Michigan State type of game. Week one. It wouldn't surprise me. I don't want to get everyone all riled up, but I kind of do. But we can do that next week. All right, but, yeah, I think we both agree the offense does have the potential to float into that all-time class of offenses.
0: Yeah, 100%. All right. uh,
1: Which player will be the biggest surprise for the fans this season? Uh, I kind (laughs) of – put a secondary question on this I guess we could do it one breakout player on each side of the ball Um, let me go through the list of people who I wouldn't consider breakout players I can I wouldn't consider Ronnie Hickman I wouldn't consider Josh Proctor Denzel Burke Cam Brown on the defensive side on the offensive side I wouldn't consider Stroud Jackson Smith and Jigba and Travion Henderson honestly everyone else could be a breakout player are you giving
0: Marvin Harrison Jr. A breakout? Well,
1: I mean, I guess hasn't. he
0: hasn't done it. He hasn't done it first. So, for so he's bro- he's broken out. See, so like breakout could mean a lot of different things. Marvin Harrison Jr. has broken out, but he hasn't done it consistently. Yeah, like you could like maybe I'm maybe I'm playing semantics here, but you could say that Chris Olave broke out in that Michigan game. But he hadn't been a a a consistent contributor, so I guess I need to clarify because it's really going to change my answer. Is it who is the consistent contributor that's going to have like the best kind of breakout season as a whole, or is it who's going to be like the the cult kind of Ohio State fan base cult guy who like maybe it's only a game or two, but like that's the guy everyone's talking about?
1: Yeah, I think generally I the player who I guess wasn't like that player that takes the next step into stardom, the guy who becomes the next Ronnie Hickman, the guy like Ronnie Hickman was a breakout player last year. Right. Mm, okay. The entirety
0: of the season, uh, the tackles that changes. I, my. I think name. it makes
1: it a little harder.
0: Honestly, that changes my, cause I was going to say Kai Stokes. But yeah. My, he doesn't fit this category. Um, but I don't want to cheat either because the the real answer is JT because JT I, is going to have a Bosa, Young type jump that second year jump where you know they were kind of good their their freshman year got a couple of sacks four five six whatever people forget that Joey Chase and Nick none of them had more than six sacks I believe yeah wrote a whole article on that second year. They all went into double digits. So the the real like it feels like it's cheating, but the real answer is JT because he's going to be a double. I like I'm stamp it on the table. August twenty fourth, next year, fifty p.m. Jordan Williams has said that JT is going to be a ten plus SAT guy, and this season stamped. I will tweet it if I need to so you can't, so I can't take it back. So I would say him for me. And then I'm going to say Jaden Ballard on offense because the other real answer is Marvin Harrison, but that's too easy. You didn't name him, so if I'm taking the easy route, I'm going to say Marvin Harrison, but I took the easy route on defense, so I'm not going to take it on offense. I'm going to go Jaden Ballard. Jaden Ballard may only have like 500 yards, but he could have like 500 yards and like six touchdowns and average like on like 11 catches. An, yeah, like <laughs> and like average like 18 19 yards per catch. I think he's going to be a weapon. So, yeah. I want easy on offense, not easy easy on defense, not easy on offense.
1: Yeah, I think so. For me, I I was going to stick with I'm going to kind of go with like a low – like a. he's not even going to be like a big time like – he's going to be a little bit of a folk here because it's going to take people like us to respect him. But just hearing kind of like Ty Hamilton, the way Larry Johnson talks about him, I think he's got plans for him. And I think by the end of the year, it's going to be the Michael Hall and Hamilton show at one of the – at the three technique. And then I think it's going to be Ty Leek Teron, and that at the one technique – And I I just think he's going to be one of those guys who's not really, he's going to catch a lot of people off guard. Like a lot of people know who he is. He had a brother on the team, but I think he's going to be my defensive guy who breaks out in a way. So that's where I'm at with the defensive side of the ball. I wanted to give, I wanted to give a position I'm not usually known for giving love. So I went with a defensive tackle. Um, Offensively, I'm going to – I don't know if this is easier. I just really think I, – I, I'm buying a lot of stock in Julian Fleming right now. As a fellow shoulder dislocation guy myself, I'm rooting for him to show everyone that it's not something that is as serious as you want. And a whole movie was based on shoulder dislocations in Lethal Weapon 2. Uh, but he's just a freak athlete, man. Like we've seen it last year. We always joked last year on the show look at Julian Fleming had one of the most incredible non-catches we've ever seen and for me he just has something that none of the other receivers in that room have he's like a physical presence that I, you just don't see and like number two receiver in the country I just want to see it come together for him if it's not this year I don't think it'll happen at Ohio State so that's another reason my partiality is going that way <laughs>
0: All right, I need you to stand on it. Is he going to be a first-round draft pick next year? And before you answer, I want you to remember, and before the fans roll their eyes at my question, wide receiver is a position that you can have one good year and get drafted yeah. first round. It happens all the time. So stand on it. First-round draft he, pick next year? Yeah. Nope. I, I, yes or no? Yeah, I think so. You I on think the spot?
1: Honestly, just off a of pro, pro Day and Combine, he could work himself in.
0: Book okay. it. Because this his fourth year, right? Third. He was... Third. He was is it his third? Yeah, third year. Hold on. Did we get Jackson and Julian in the same class? Yeah, it was Julian,
1: Jackson, and then... Who was the other guy? Oh, my God. 2000s, baby. Jesus Christ. He looks way older than me. That's not cool.
0: But... This is only his third season. Yeah, yeah. Why is everyone acting like he's such a big bust? I mean, I guess number one wide receiver in the country, like kind of thing. But like, it's fine that he hasn't played his first two years. We yeah, had have working with Chris Olave. Yeah, I honestly
1: don't like, like. He's been battling injuries. He came from a place where. He came from a single wing. He was Megatron, like when Megatron played at Georgia Tech, but in high school, like he
0: was going to have some growing to do. Yeah, class of twenty twenty. Uh, yeah, and I remember everyone saying that, like the dude was like he, like you said, he was Megatron. Like there were times where he was only offense, he was only wide receiver on the field, and it was literally just like, okay, go, go do something. We'll throw you the ball. Yeah. And we're not running it like run, 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 pass the Julian Fleming, run, run, past the Julian Fleming, run, pass, run, pass, and they all went to Julian Fleming. Yeah, think about this. Julian Fleming,
1: Jackie Smith and Jigba, G. Scott Jr., and then you had Mookie Cooper, all top 100 receivers. Uh, two of them are going to play receiver, and maybe g scott ends up as a tight end i don't have any tight end questions on the show because i don't even think we need to do that nah
0: why 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 waste so tough? all right um
1: at the end of the year which position group will we look back on and be like man without that position group ohio state doesn't have a successful season it's hard for me because you could take this question a lot of ways as well um and, like, when you look at entirety of the group, I think that actually takes it down to, like, three or four positions. Because you need a – I saw it more. Like, so when I asked myself this question, I was like, I think the offensive line is going to be that group. Where I'm like, if this group plays – I don't know. I always forget the award for it. Is it the Bill Moore Award? The Joe what, – what award? Joe. Joe Moore. Joe Moore. Yeah, the Joe Moore Award. If they play – if they're a Joe Moore Award offensive line, I – I don't want to say the NC word, but I, I, the, N, the NC words, but I might have to.
0: Uh, I agree 100%. I'm trying to think if I can find some way to talk myself into the linebackers. I, uh...
1: It's not even that I think the linebackers are going to be bad. I just don't think they have the ceiling to be like, A World beating group You know like I don't think anyone's Ever going to be like Yeah Ohio State's got The best linebackers In the country
0: No If that's what you're asking Then no Uh, Yeah that was me Taking it to the extreme But like still I'm going to go Secondary I think like I think people are Underestimating this Secondary Especially at corner Because of the injuries But think about it You have Ronnie Hickman who is a hundred tackle guy and he's playing the position he actually should have played. You have Josh Proctor, who is a absolute monster and he's no, all he has to do is see ball, get ball. Now he's no longer playing deep, but he can, because he has the experience. Tanner McAllister, I'm less excited about. I think Cameron Martinez takes his job, but Regardless, you have a four year starter, three year starter, whatever, who knows the defense and is a and is a legitimate division one football player. At the end of the day, if that's the, the least if that's the nicest thing I can say about him, he's still a division one football player, uh, three years experience and he's probably a late round NFL draft pick, but that position can be upgraded if Cam Martinez steps in. You have Denzel Burke, a freshman All-American who is going to re- be the resurgence of first round, uh, of, of first round corners. And then you have Cam Brown, who is an absolute NFL player. His only issue is injuries. And if he doesn't get injured, you have. And if he does get injured, you have him backed up by two top 100 players, one who played, both who um, could have played last year, who played a little bit last year, and has had, according to everyone, amazing. Springs, and summer, yeah, and fall camp. So, I think it's the I think it's this the entire secondary. I, I think this secondary has a chance to be looked at like, you know, just dominant. Um, one of those secondaries that it's because because like the that's the one thing about the secondary is, like. They've never been a really big turnover group. A lot of our turnovers are fumbles and not interceptions. I yeah, think that should change a bunch. Of this. On, yeah. I mean, Jeff Okuda was the number two pick, and he had like two interceptions his entire career, and I think they both came in the same game. So it's like like. This was a more technical, sound-type, knock-the-ball-down-type group. Um, Yeah, I'm going to go secondary. I I think they have a a chance to be uh, difference-makers of a kind that we haven't seen before.
1: Yeah, I definitely respect that pick. I like how we naturally went offense, defense. Um, Yeah, and I think think the secondary, I, I think of all the groups, like... Starting five, and like I guess we could say starting six, I think Cam Martinez is going to play a significant role in the nickel position, but I don't think you're going to go across the country and have many groups where you're like, I'd take this guy and put him in here. Like I think you look at every position, and there's potential in my mind that they're the best at that certain role in the country, each of them. I'm not saying they all will be, but there's that chance at it.
0: Yeah, I can see that. I, mean, uh, I think I think Ronnie Hickman and uh, Josh Proctor are going to be a top three safety pair. Yeah,
1: and I I can't even, I, this might be more on me, but I know there's like a bunch of teams with one really good safety, but I think Ohio State has two, and that's a big difference. Yeah.
0: Because, like, I'm trying to think about Ohio. Okay, so Alabama, they have Jordan Battle. But I don't know who the second guy is. I'm guessing he's good because it's Bama, but I don't know for sure. Yeah. Penn State has Jair Brown. But I don't know who the second guy is because the second guy was Jaquan Brisker, who was in the league. And was about to they start had it last year. They right. had the two um, safeties last year. Washington doesn't have it. They have a good corner coming up because they always do. I mean, Notre Dame um, has the one guy. They um, Brandon Joseph. But he didn't have a good year last year. And maybe that was some stink just because nobody at Northwestern did. I, I think he can get it back. But he he didn't have the year that you would have expected him to have last year. Um, obviously, like I don't know every single person in football, so I'm probably missing some. And you all can feel free. But of the top guys that just should roll off the, your head of, of just about anybody, um, a lot of them don't have a number two. Yeah, and I'm gonna pull up my handy dandy Athlon and see who they have as uh, who they have as all Americans at those positions. Um, so, first team defense, okay, they have Jordan Battle and Antonio Johnson from Texas AM. I don't even know who this Antonio Johnson kid is, so maybe I haven't been paying attention to football because I have never heard of him. Yeah, uh, second good, defense, but... they have Brandon Joseph and Jalen Catalan from Arkansas. I feel like that's probably a lazy pick that they just try to do because he's in the SEC. <clears throat> And then Clemson, they have Andrew Mokuba who is actually pretty good. He's a sophomore, yeah. kid, but he does not have a running mate. And Jaya Brown, who again, so maybe again, so this is six players. Maybe nobody knows how to
1: they it together. But, but you combine them, yeah. I don't think there's better. Like, I don't think either of those six have a second running mate that equals them out. Like if you took an eighty-eight and an eighty-seven an average that out; it's better than a ninety-one, like a seventy-eight.
0: Yeah, for sure. All yeah. right. I think we're on. Right.
1: Yeah, but I think that I think those are two big groups we can really highlight on.
0: Uh, we're going to take a quick break here.
1: Uh, we got we a few more.
0: Let me yeah. ask you a question, really quick. Uh, is Is Old Boy going to start at Iowa? I haven't heard anything about him. Who is that? You know what I'm talking about. Iowa. The only the only person that would really care about on Iowa. Um, um, That's just no, no, no. Safety. I said a safety question. Oh, the guy yeah. that we lost to Iowa from Iowa. Oh, Xavier and Walker. Probably not this year. Why not? They have that one guy. What's his name? He's a DB. He's Riley Moss.
1: Yeah, I still don't think he's going to. They don't play young players there interesting
0: I thought that was one of the reasons that he was gonna go there no I honestly um, really do just think it was I wanna stay home after doesn't even have him in the 2D that's kind of surprising I haven't heard anything about him and you would think you would hear more about such a highly and this is this is not me doing that thing where like he's not gonna be a good player cause he didn't come to Ohio State. I think he's gonna be an absolute stud. I'm kind of surprised we haven't heard more, and I, I genuinely thought he was gonna start this year, but maybe not.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. it's it's like a it's it's a little less like corner where you could just be a dude and you need to you need to have those responsibilities and I, I think he's one of those guys where like maybe not at the beginning of the season but come I don't know week 8 or 9 we start hearing his name getting called kind of that Chris Olave route
0: <laughs> that's fair okay we can go to break I'm sorry we were talking All about right. safeties and his name was not Jones I just couldn't remember Walker. Yeah. remember that one show where I couldn't come
1: up with it either <laughs> <laughs> they choose. They choose the different schools. Out of sight, out of sight, out of mind.
0: Immediately. never right. heard. <laughs>
1: we'll see you guys on the flip side
0: here. <laughs> Welcome back to the Big Show. Chris We're
1: going through our final Buckeye Ohio State 2022 season preview. Just talking about questions we have. Questions kind of seeing around on the team uh, going into the season and then we're going to get into a uh, quick round of stat predictions we're just going to go back and forth, say what we think is going to happen uh, and then, yeah, I think we'll finish these questions up, what we've got a couple more, I think this one's a quick one will Ohio State have two players invited to the Heisman ceremony Yes. betting, betting odds here, I don't have the actual odds because they keep changing, Stroud's the favorite uh, that's not a good sign for him to win, but I don't really think that's a bad sign for him to win either because it doesn't feel like there's a lot of guys who are going to run away with it this year except Stroud and probably Bryce Young. This is but,
0: unfair. But Bryce it's Young? True. Stroud is almost guaranteed the Heisman because I just cannot see them making Bryce Young back to back. I don't. So like, they didn't make Tebow back to back, and it's and this is I, I want to clarify. This is not me you saying mean, that Bryce wouldn't deserve it. I think that there's like a, a lore with back to back, saying that one person has only ever done it and that has only ever has two, and, and it's almost that thing with like the MVP where like there's like a Lebron bias and yeah, you can't do it. Wayne, it has long, to be so spectacular because you've won so many and they want to give it to another guy. And this is also not saying that CJ won't win it outright, but if CJ and Bryce are in the same atmosphere and they're the only two, I don't see a single way that Bryce wins it. I just don't, yeah. I don't think that they'll, I don't think that sports media, right or wrong, because it's probably not fair to Bryce, will make him a back to back second player ever to be a two-time Heisman winner
1: yeah and think about this uh I know like Jackson Smith and Jigba will probably get Heisman votes if he has a year we're predicting but Will Anderson got robbed a little bit last year and if you're the best player on a great defense and you're gonna take away votes from your Counterpart on the other side of the ball. Like, you can't be like, oh, so because a big part of that's like, man, this guy's the reason this team was so successful, that's like a separating factor in the Heisman Trophy. You know, with Tim yeah. Tebow, you had the running back. I think his name was like Jeff demps Then you had Percy Harvin. Both guys stepped up even further the next year. And their team just generally wasn't
0: as successful. Um, yeah. And you have a bunch of people with voters' remorse for not voting Will Anderson and, and, and things like that. I'm so not saying it's fair because Bryce Young can genuinely deserve to win the Heisman. I just not don't going to. see a single way that he can win it.
1: Yeah, so two Ohio State getting two players there. I really feel like it's going to be the reverse Mac jones Devonte Smith where I think Stroud wins it and – Jackson Smith and Jigba has such a good year as a receiver that he gets the invite. It's like, hey, like, yeah, like CJ Shroud's going to win it, but you deserve an invite too because you really did help him get here.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: I don't think Travion Henderson will do it this year, but if I had to put a futures bet down right now for a player to win it in what's next year, 2023? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in 2023. I'd put my money on Travion Henderson because I think he's going to have that opportunity to be a 2,000-yard back for Ohio State
0: Expensive. with that first-year starting quarterback. Yeah, yep. Yeah. a first-year starting quarterback who's not C.J. Stroud. Yeah. He won't be C.J. Stroud or Justin yes. Fields. Could you imagine if he was, though? Could you, like... God. Yeah.
1: I, I like, As much as I like Kyle and as much as I like Devin Brown, I just can't look at them and say, man, I see Justin Fields in those two. I, I don't Because yeah. I, I mean maybe we're building the folklore For Justin Fields as an athlete Because in like 10 years people are going to be like Yeah, Justin Fields is 245 pounds He was 6 He was a creative player in a video game And I'm like yeah <laughs> Yeah, you're right I remember that guy uh, But yeah, I think two players is fair I Maybe not fair I think that was the wrong word I think two two players is still a reasonable expectation With what we project the offense to
0: be Yes, hundred percent. Uh,
1: this is kind of a loaded question. Uh, we honestly kind of already talked about it, but let's. I think we do like a SparkNotes version for this. What will the defense rotation look like at all three levels? I think the defensive line is going to be the same. Like, I don't think Larry Johnson is going to concede much on that, except in possibly crunch time. Um, linebacker. I do not think there's going to be a lot of rotation. I think four guys play at most. Unless there's that third linebacker in the game.
0: Three and a half.
1: Yeah. And I honestly, yeah. If CJ Hicks develops, he's three to me. Who are
0: your three and a half? You got Uh, Tommy and
1: Steele, obviously.
0: Yeah. Tommy and Steele. And then the third guy. So my third guy is hard because my third guy would be Reed, but he's probably my half. Reed is my half. I say that because there. I think there are going to be some games where they want a linebacker, and not a safety. <clears throat> yeah, and I, I genuinely expect. And I the reason why I think Reed is winning that battle is because they moved uh, Palier Note Note to to Leo. Uh, to Leo, and he was supposed to have that position. So. I don't know who the other guy that would be there is going to be there, but I genuinely think it's going to be Reed Carico. So he's my half because he's going to split that with the big safety of Court Williams and Lathan Ransom, depending yeah. on the game. So then my third guy, ooh, that's hard. I don't think it's Chip, really. I don't think it's – I think I, – I said this when he came in, that Chip was a year away, that he wasn't yeah. going to do the Steel Chambers thing. Because – Steel Chambers
1: Steel Steel wouldn't have been a Like if it was the choice of the team Steel would not have been a starting linebacker last year
0: Yeah that too Um, So it's not Chip Who else is there I There's Cody Simon There's Toronto Mitchell There's some older guys I'm glad that you There you go So I think it's going to be Cody Simon Until people realize that he still can't read the defense And CJ Hicks develops And then it's going to be CJ Hicks yeah. I, like I don't think that Cody Simon's a good linebacker. Yeah, I, I think, think he's a great athlete. I don't think he's a good linebacker, and I think he's going to work his way off the field because no, he's, he's going to do some things wrong. Unfortunately, yeah. I hate to say that. I hope that I'm wrong because I don't want to wish bad on anyone, but I remember, like, half the time all I watch is linebackers, and he's never made a uh, – he's never made a uh, – What's what's the he's word? Never he's finished, flashed, honestly. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, he's never really flashed. He's he's never really stuck in my mind. And I think it's partially because he's not really where he's supposed to be at a lot of times. Yeah, and
1: no. last year he got he was a starter and then he got beat up and then he never really played much again.
0: Yeah. And so that
1: century gross. All right. How uh, all right, most likely player not being talked about to end up as a first round draft pick next year. That I, Paris Johnson Jr. would have been my answer, but he's been in too many mock drafts. C.J. Stroud's projected to go first overall by, like, multiple mock drafts. And Jackson Smith and Jake Buzz a top-three receiver, which means he's a first-round pick. And it's mostly just a flavor of the week for an NFL team to want him. I don't know, Ooh.
0: honestly. I don't think. So I have two answers. <clears throat> uh, I have one and a half answers. I'm cheating. Answer half is uh, Ronnie Hickman, and the only reason I say that is because safeties do not go in the first round often. But I could yeah. see a a, a twenty seven through thirty two team that needs a safety being able to take him. Especially, you have to think the sa- if you if you all pay attention to the NFL, you guys probably know this. The safety market is being reset. Uh, the Saints just let go. Of Marcus Mays because they didn't want to pay for him. Uh, You know, the Jets let go of their safety a couple years ago, traded him to the Seahawks. Um, uh, Where did Minka Fitzpatrick come from, who didn't want to pay him? So he went to the Steelers. The Dolphins didn't pay him and he went to the Steelers. So that's becoming a common thing. So I think if Ronnie Hickman, because he can play both, right? So you've seen him as a strong safety. He had a year, 100 tackles. Now this year, yeah. So. I could see him kind of slipping in on a team that doesn't want to play a safety kind of like what Dax Hill did with the Bengals because they don't want to pay uh, whoever their safety is. Um, Jesse Bates, they don't want to pay Jesse Bates. So they essentially drafted Dax Hill. So I'm going to say him for defense. And then on the offense, I'm going Julian Fleming because wide receiver is a position where all you need is a year. And if he passes his medicals with the shoulders thing, and, and I think he can do it. So,
1: yeah. Uh yeah, I think I already mentioned Julian Fleming is a yes on that. Uh, defensively, I think Cam Brown, uh, I know a few years ago people said he was the fastest guy on the team. If he can make it through this year healthy and make some plays, I think his combine will be like, man, I know this guy's 23 years old, but he's a 4'3 guy. He's athletic. He made some plays. He's got a ton of experience. I think he could be a guy who messes around – plays into that range. As long as his job's not taken by a younger guy, obviously. Uh, DeJuan Jones is interesting to me. He's a right tackle. He's big. If he could show people that he has the athleticism to be a swing tackle, 31, 32, a team desperate for tackle depth. I could see it. Um, who knows maybe he's a tackle from Ohio State it's not a strong tackle class either which is something a lot of draft experts keep saying so who knows with that like but right tackles just aren't as as valued and if he doesn't have that play time on the left side it's going to be
0: hard yeah, if I was projecting Dewan I would project him as the first tackle off the board in the second round. Yeah, if he has the year that he wants to have. Yeah, uh, if not, he's gonna go and do what the uh, Daniel Filay. Uh, I don't think I'm saying that right. Ah, lele, ah lele. I don't even remember because I haven't heard it pronounced so long. I think he's going to do what Daniel did from Minnesota and get drafted in the third round just because someone's going to take a flyer on him. Yeah. I think he could very much be first tackle in the second round. Um, Who's the other guy you mentioned? Oh, Cam Brown. I think Cam Brown is a third round pick that gets a starting job in camp. Yeah. I just don't uh, think he passive medicals enough. Another and name. He's going to be a guy that, like, he gets out there and they're like, oh, this guy's a stud. Like, how did we let him fall? Another name I got, Josh Proctor. Yeah, yeah. that's it. I was thinking He's a freak Proctor. athlete. He's I was huge. thinking Josh Proctor, but I want Ronnie Hickman. He is, like, the exact
1: type of safety I think NFL teams want because he's big. So you could really use him in the run game which I think he's going to be able to prove this year. Um, But he does have experience as a one high guy as well. And like you said with Ronnie, like that is something that is being valued more and more. And I know one of the guys, the Browns were making their roster cuts and Ronnie Harrison isn't the best safety, but he could do so much. He's big. He could cover slot receivers. He could play the deep middle. He could do everything. And that made him a little bit more valuable than some of the other safeties on the roster. But yeah. I think it's a combine for for Proctor that really does it too. Like, but I think the half's good for him too because safeties just aren't first round picks often unless they're super freaks.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's uh, very real. And so of the two, while I think Ronnie Hickman would is would be the one that they like more because I mean if you think about it. Ronnie Hickman is going to be a better free safety than Josh Proctor was. So then the question is, is Josh Proctor going to be a better strong safety? And maybe, but it's going to be hard to prove that, especially for people counting statistics, because there is no way in hell Josh Proctor is a 100 tackle guy. Yeah, Josh Proctor's a hundred tackle guy. I will like. I don't know what I'm gonna do, but I'm gonna do something, and it's not gonna be positive.
1: Yeah, I mean, we were happy for Ronnie to get to 100 tackles, but we're also like, a safety should never be in this situation.
0: Yeah, I can't say I was happy for Ronnie. I was happy that someone did it, but I was very. You would much rather that. have it be Tommy E. Yeah. Oh, I'm. Oh, I'm. I'm close. I'm
1: close I'm not there yet uh, Alright Quick two here uh, We've talked about this one before I'm not that worried about the depth concerns Anymore I think Once you get into the season yes like People are going to get banged up It's a part of the game Knock on wood nothing serious But I, I just don't have the concerns Maybe it's, I don't want to put the bad vibes out there I just don't have depth concerns
0: yeah, no, I, I would say the only concern oh, yes, I would have is if Travion gets hurt. Because I believe that Dallin could be good enough to step in for Mayan if he gets hurt. But um, not,
1: I don't think. Uh, well, you, no, you lose on, so much explosiveness with
0: yeah, Travion gun, I mean, and it's that's yeah. not replicable. Right. So, but then they just wouldn't run the ball. So yeah, it's like just, they, the Jackson's or the Jigbo would great, go from 10 catches be, a game to 15 catches. 15, yeah, it's like, so it's like it wouldn't be great, you know, for balance, but CJ Stroud would just throw it 50 times a game. And then it's like, okay, is this bad? I don't, I don't know. CJ Stroud's well, best player back in the country. All
1: right. Uh, final verdict receiver expectations. We don't need stats here. Uh, last year, three receivers. Just around, well, before Jackson Smith and Jigba's final game, they had what twenty, like thirty three hundred receiving yards among each other. Do you think over under the top three receivers going over thirty three hundred? And that that's not like a like Jackson Smith and Jigba could have twenty five hundred yards, and the other three guys could get the eight hundred. I'm just saying, do the three guys go over that thirty three hundred yard total that those guys had last year?
0: I see I say they go over, they match it. And here's why Jackson Smith and Jig was going to have his 1600 again. And if you look at how it broke down, it was 1600, roughly 1100 and then like very high 800s. I don't think CJ Stroud. I don't think Chris Olave hit 900. Maybe he did. I don't remember. But I know he was not at 1,000. I think he needed over 100 yards to get to 1,000 in the final game, and he didn't play. I think he's like 890-something. And I could look it up to be more accurate, but I haven't yet. So I'm going to do that while I'm rambling. Uh, So I think that's pretty easily accomplishable, especially because – CJ Stroud's, like I've already said. CJ Stroud's throwing for five hundred yards, which means someone has to catch for five hundred yards. So they have to do it.
1: Yeah, I mean you're right. So I, I think they do. I think they get over that like total, but it's it's not something that should be expected. But it is something that I'm predicting because um, I think we have to level it out with saying like. Yeah, these guys are in their first year as starters. Like that's a real thing.
0: Oh, I was I was wrong. Here's that so the numbers still roughly the same. Garrett Wilson was at 1058. He didn't get to 1100 and Chris Olave was at 936. Gotcha. So yeah,
1: generally around that 3 3300 mark uh, whatever the number is. I think yeah. they match it. Maybe go over a little bit, but I think they match it for sure.
0: I think, yeah. I, now that I'm looking at the numbers and I'm projecting, um, I think they're a little. No, um, no, 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 no. They match it because whatever the numbers are, we're gonna have two thousand yard wide receivers again. I I'm yeah, ready with I that. think so. I think Jackson Smith and Diggs. But honestly, in my mind, I've convinced myself it's seventeen to
1: eighteen hundred when like the season's over. Maybe not in the regular season. But uh, I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be playing with 1,000 yards for sure. So that would just mean you need 500 yards from Julian Fleming or Mecca Buka.
0: And I think one of them gets eight. The other gets six. Jaden Ballard gets four or five. That puts you, rough math, probably somewhere around 5,000. Yeah. For sure. And that's not even counting
1: the tight ends because we don't need to. More money, yeah, and they'll have their yards. Yeah, Uh, stat leaders, predictions. All right, Um, I don't know why I worded it this way, because we know CJ Stroud's going to be the passing leader on the team. I guess where I'm at, does he test that national touchdown record? Does he push for 50 touchdowns? Does he break Dwayne Haskins' record? Does he go after Joe Burrow's of like 61 touchdowns?
0: uh, sixty-one. No. Uh, fifty. Absolutely. I don't know what the national is. The national Joe Burrows. Yes. Uh, I could see him at fifty-five, which is a which is um okay. So we need sixty-one
1: to break the FBS record for touchdown passes in game. Now it belongs to Bailey Zappi. So I think Bailey Zappi had sixty-one touchdowns. That that could make sense. That could make Uh, sense. Um, So I think he needs 62 touchdowns now. I don't think he's going to do that. Uh, Because what does that break down to a game? 15 games if they win a national championship was what you need to do to get there. That's that's four touchdowns a game.
0: Yeah, it It breaks down down to 3.6. So if you think that he's going to have five or six touchdowns, and certain games and then other games, he's only going to have like two because the running game is probably going to get some balance that out. You get to the national championship. I'm going 55.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's right. I think he breaks Dwayne Haskins record, but I do yeah. not think he sets the FPS record because I think, I think Ohio state, if they do win a national championship is going to rely a little bit more on balance than Joe Burrow chugging it up to Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson for six touchdowns yeah. in the national championship game.
0: Yeah, they didn't even they didn't even pretend to run the ball in that game.
1: Nope. and when 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 Clyde Edwards-Helaire did touch the ball, it was a pass. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, how many yards will the Ohio State running backs run for? Um, I kind of had this these numbers in the back of my head they're usually around 2,500 combined the running backs with rush yards and even 2,500 that 3,000 yard range is ideal I'd say is what you'd want Henderson last year had what 1,300 they had like 2,300 rush yards last year if I remember correctly uh, so a little less I think I think they'll be in the same range. <clears throat> but I think mine Williams will have more yards. And Travion Henderson will have more yards. So I think not having Master T there, not having additional backs, I think it really is gonna come down to those two running the football.
0: Yeah. I could see, like, 1350 and 800, which would be, like, a slight increase, like a 100-yard increase for Travion and a 300-yard increase for Mayan.
1: Yeah, and then you add whatever, probably 300, 400 yards for Dallin Hayden now that Evan Pryor's gone. He gets both those carries. Because Dallin Hayden probably would have had 100. Evan Pryor probably would have had around 250, 300. So now you give all those yards to him. You get around $2,450. I think it's, I think 2400 to $2,500 with Stroud throwing for 5000 7500 yards of total offense sounds insane, but you look at their 2021 total offense stats, it is not as out of the picture as you'd think.
0: No. It's, it's not. Uh, Stroud had 444.35. I just did 2300. That puts us at uh, 6700. 400 yeah. for the backup. That's 7000 right there. 100 for Jack Miller. Some other random things. They were probably close to 75 last year.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at their where, uh, no, That's just per game averages 380 times 13 If you guys are listening You guys are mathematicians over there But Because uh, you had 4,900 from the quarterbacks Passing the football And what did you say 2,300 for the running backs Yeah Yeah so
0: yeah, That's,
1: that's what, like 72-ish Yeah 71, 7200
0: ish Yeah I mean, you get that just if Shroud has 600 more yards.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I think that's where they end up. All right. Oh, will JSN have better stats next year? I think he has more touchdowns. I think he has slightly more yards and I think he has less catches. Fair. Because he had a lot of catches. And I think He's going to make more big plays, but I think teams are going to scheme a lot towards not letting the Utah game happen.
0: You can't scheme that. Yeah,
1: they tried. They tried their best. Ew. Can't Clark Phillips guarded him a lot, and Clark Phillips is an NFL corner, first second round level corner, easily. And a lot of people are like, oh, I did it against the running back. No, the running back was covering Marvin
0: Harrison jr. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't covering. He wasn't covering Jackson Jackson. Yeah. That so
1: I think Jason has better stats. I don't think there's a really another player we could get into on that. I think Travion has better stats. I think most of the offense, but I think Jason's a fun one. Cause he had incredible stats last year, but now he's going to be the focus of what they need to stop in Ohio state's passing attack. And, there's just players where like I don't think you can slow them down, and
0: JSN's in there for me with that. Especially because he can play inside, outside, and they showed that wrinkle of putting him in the running and the and the uh, in the backfield. And the other wide receivers are going to be good enough, yeah, to where if you solo
1: cover them, I don't want to solo cover Julian Fleming if I'm. Uh, if I'm a defensive coordinator, look at how big he is. Look how fast he is. I don't want to cover Marvin Harrison Jr. That guy has like every physical attribute you could dream about in a receiver. You don't want to. You don't want to give those guys opportunities to excel. So mm-hmm. guess what that means. You can't treat Jason like a receiver like that. It's not like how teams probably would have played Pitt this year with Jordan Addison if he had stayed.
0: Like, Honestly, I'm wondering if the best if the best thing is to treat him like he's LeBron. And say he yeah, can't be you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's,
1: let him get his 300 yards a game. And if he's, yeah, I mean, that is always an interesting strategy and it works. The, yeah. let, sure Giannis it works, get, let Giannis get 50. And if we could guard everybody else, not let anyone else score. Yeah, we're good. That was, uh, that's interesting. I think it could work. All right. uh, On top of that, who will be second in receiving yards? I think we already talked about this. We both think Marvin Harrison Jr.
0: Yeah. Yep. Oh,
1: over under 1,000. Just real quick. I think over.
0: Yeah, over. I think it's like a step over, but I think it's over. I could see him where Garrett Wilson was, which is 1058. Yeah, I was thinking 10 52, and, and maybe it takes more games, though, right? Like yeah. Garrett Wilson did it in 11.
1: Yeah, because he missed one game.
0: 13.
1: Yeah, but no, I can see that because I, I feel like <clears throat> as talented and as physically gifted as Marvin Harrison Jr. is, like, he's still going to be a first-year starter. There's still going to be games where he might not have his best. And yeah, that, I think that's fair. So I think if he plays, if he plays 15 games, like. I'll guarantee it. If he plays 14 games, I'll also guarantee it. If he plays 13 games. If they play 12 games, I don't think the season went the way we were hoping. And none of these stats got met. Uh, Which I don't think will happen. So I think over 1,000.
0: Yeah, I think he'll do it in 13. I think he'll do it in the Big Ten Championship game.
1: Yeah. Uh, Sack leader, we've got... It's it's JT.
0: I don't think it's going to be... I'm ready. I'm ready. Tyreek is number two. I'm gonna say it. All right. All right. How many? Mm. I want to say
1: seven. Seven and a half.
0: What did he have last year?
1: Isn't that what he had last year? No way. If he had seven and a half sacks last year, he would have played more. Right? I I know. Like they were like, oh, he's out of shape. He can't do it too much. He had five. He yeah, I think seven and a half is reasonable. Yep. Let's find Book it. Sacks are hard to get I, I think People take for granted Like we watch Chase Young And Chase Young Sacks are hard And half of Chase Young's sacks Were strip sacks So I wouldn't even expect that I think Jack is a guy Who I could see like If he is The main Leo I think Or I guess Jack Because Jim Null said We're not there yet With the Leo name um, I think he could potentially get there But JT, I don't think he's going to touch Chase. I don't think he's going to be there. I think 12 sacks is the is where I have him at.
0: Yeah. And that to I think me, 12 is the ceiling, and like 10 and a half is likely. Yeah, I, I think... next year he hits like 14, 12 to yeah. 14.
1: Because I think something we also <laughs> need to remind ourselves about is JT is a good pass rusher. But his skill set is based in his all-around ability as a defensive end, and I think that's where his strengths. is. I think he's going to have a lot of TFLs too. I think he'll have like 18 or 19 TFLs because he's 12 see stacks it. plus seven more on in the run game. So I think that's a dangerous area for him to make a difference. Um, that would be
0: a huge jump. Last year he only had four and a half.
1: Yeah, so – but that's – we've seen it. I, we've seen the stats. It happens. That's the trajectory. And I think if you get seven or eight from Zach Harrison, you get seven or eight from
0: Jackson. And that's too much. No, I think he could do it. I think he could do it. Um, I'm, he, I'm, I don't think he's ever had more than five. I'm not doing that.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's just two more. And no, he so he's never had more than
0: six. Hold on. Hold on. Is this right? Does Zach Harrison only have two sacks last year? Yeah, it was not good. I'm not giving seven or eight. I think- I'm not even giving five. I think systemically
1: he should get five sacks. I'm not doing it. I'm going. I'm ready to be hurt, but I'm not ready to be that hurt. I'm ready. I don't think I'll be hurt by it. I think that's myself just getting excited. But I think I think Ohio State reasonably should have around 50 sacks combined.
0: That's where I'm at. He had two he had two sacks, six tackles for a loss. Hey,
1: he got close a lot.
0: (laughs) I'm not doing that. Uh on that
1: one. I've been hurt by Tyreek Smith. I've been hurt by Zach Harrison for multiple years. I'm ready for them to step up. They owe me that. We're like
0: Are you Washington in Texas?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm like a lot of people in Texas. Tackle leader. We both got. I got Tommy Eichenberg. I I just think he's going to have like 115 tackles, especially if he's going to play as much as Jim Knowles is alluding he is.
0: Yeah, I'm there. Book it, Tommy Eichenberg, 100 plus tackles.
1: And if he doesn't have 100 plus tackles, I still
0: think he leads the team in tackles. It's not if he's going to have it. I said it. It's going to happen. All He's right. Not down. Let down. He's August 24th. Jordan puts his name on it.
1: I'm not there yet. Not putting my name on 100 tackles. But I will put my name on him being the leading tackler. Second leading tackler. I think that's important. I hope it's not one of the safeties. It should be Steel Chambers. Oh, it'll definitely be one of the safeties. But it should be Steel
0: Chambers. It's not.
1: (laughs) I think it'll be Josh Proctor.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think Tommy will have 100, whatever. Proctor will have 70 to 85. Uh, And then I think, honestly, I think Steel Chambers is like the fourth leading tabbler with like 50. What did you have last year? Oh, oh, that's a low number. No, it's not. No, it's not. Cody Simon had fifty four last year. Yeah. Only two and a half were for a loss though. Ugh, it's gross. And he played he played in twelve games last year and didn't make a name for himself. Ugh. Uh Steel Chambers had forty seven, five and a half for a loss, one sack.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to think about like, oh let's go to the game log. I think that'll help us a little bit too. Because, like the the forty seven tackles is not a lot, but if you get a look at it from a game by game standpoint, which I think we have to,
0: <clears throat>
1: because he didn't start playing linebacker till the middle of the year,
0: because he was a
1: special teamer at first, and then when they made all the defensive changes, so what his first game was probably at linebacker against Akron. So yeah, I mean that's that's a lot of games. Ten or so games. Uh, he never really had. He didn't have a double-digit tackle game. So I, yeah, I mean, if he has fifty tackles, that's uh, that's growth, and I'd take that. But I think you'll probably have Tommy, Ronnie, or Josh Proctor, Ronnie, and then Steel Chambers. If everything goes right, I don't think because defense alignment just don't get into that number of tackles.
0: I think it'll be uh, – I think it'll be four. I think it'll be Tommy uh, – I think it'll be Tommy, Josh, Ronnie. Is that what you just said? Yeah, that's what I said. Okay. I thought you only said one safety. Yeah, I think it'll be four.
1: And then interception leader. I, I look back. It, it does not take a lot of interceptions. Denzel Burke. I mean, so I, I thought about okay. that. He he was a former receiver. If the ball is in his direction, he should be able to make the interceptions. But how often is the ball going to be in his direction? Enough for three. Three. All right. I think it's going to be – I think it's probably going to be – I uh, Ronnie's not a pick guy though. I want to say Ronnie, but I, I just don't know. Ronnie, Ronnie had two last year. Two. Can he double it? To mm. get to four? Because I think
0: four if anyone
1: has four picks, they're leading Ohio State in interceptions.
0: I mean our leader last year was two. We had a bunch of guys with one.
1: Yeah, we were not good at that last year.
0: We had seven guys with one interception. Eight guys with one interception, I think we had like 14 total. Is that not good? How many Uh, interceptions did you have in a year?
1: I feel like 20 is probably where you start thinking it's good. Really? Yeah. 20 is not exceptional? Yeah, I don't think 14 is good. 14 feels low.
0: Mm Hmm. I don't know statistics. Like for being the statistics guys, I like certain statistics, um, and I think this one like, is that statistics important. are like hard, uh, and I feel like twenty is a lot. Yeah, twenty is a lot. Twenty is a lot. There's only two teams last year that had twenty. That's crazy. And one of oh. them was Iowa with twenty-five. There was. Two teams that had 19, three at 17, 16. So Ohio State... Oh, did I count wrong? They don't have Ohio State in this number at 14. They have Ohio State at 12. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, 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 that's right. Because there was two people with four. And then I said seven people with one. That's 11. I missed one. They had 12. 12 tied them at 40th in the country. But most of the Like, there are... One, two, three, four, five, six people with 12. One, two, three, four, five, six. Seven people with 14. four, five, six, seven, seven four, five, six. Seven people with 14. Like, yeah, I think so. 14 would have made them t- tied for 26 in the country with seven other teams. So I think 14 to 15 is good. So they were, I mean, they were pretty good last year. 12, that's pretty solid. Like, yeah, no, actually, 20, twenty is exceptional, which is why everyone talks about Iowa because they had twenty-five. So if they can get like sixteen, which would be an increase.
1: Yeah, I think four. if you go one interception a game, that's good. I mean, that's great. If you could force one interception a game, that's great. So.
0: And we're, just, we're projecting 15 games.
1: So. Yeah, so at least 15. And then you're going to play some teams who aren't good, which we're going to talk about here right now. And I think you should be able to get multiple interceptions
0: in those games. Yeah, I'd set the bar at 16. Yeah, we got Spencer Petrus on the schedule. Like That should be Six. two, easily. That's, that should be four, come on. Uh, uh, Tyler Buckner is throwing two.
1: Yeah, Tyler Buckner. Of the season? Three touchdowns, three two. interceptions last year. That's Tyler Buckner. He's throwing so, two for
0: sure. One's in the first quarter. <laughs> Pick six, Dental Burke. Hey. Calling the shot. Book it. <laughs> uh, all right,
1: but yeah, that's our leaders. Uh, I don't think we've done a full-on schedule prediction. If you guys want to go look back in the feed, I think the reason I wanted to do this wasn't really to do full-on predictions. I think we've gone into great detail that we both think Ohio State will win all 12 games. But we're going to go through all 12. Score prediction. If there's someone special, like, like if it's just like a guy, like we don't need to bring him up because we'll be talking about them once we actually preview the game. And then final record prediction. We're going to go in and we're going to tell you why we feel that way. So, uh, first game, Notre Dame. Score prediction. We could change it to Friday of, but right now, your score prediction going into the season.
0: Um, uh, 45
1: to 20. All right, you think 20? I had 45 to 14. I gave them two field goals. All right, gotcha. I, I don't think... I, I had either 14 or 13, so I either think they score a touchdown, then two field goals, or they score two touchdowns. I don't think they get into that. I don't think they break 20. I think Jim Knowles is going to make somewhat of a statement, and I think one of their touchdowns is going to be a late touchdown at, like when it's 45-7, to seven, and it's going to actually make Ohio State fans mad. Like, they'll score like – down 45 to 7 with like three minutes left in the
0: game. I think that's what makes it 20.
1: Okay, that's where you're at with that. All right. Yeah. I, agree. I mean, I think we're in the same ballpark. I think Ohio yeah. State's offense is too much. I don't think Notre Dame has the offense to keep up. And I think it's going to be a nice little fool's gold for Ohio State fans right at the start because Notre Dame's offense is bad.
0: Yeah, because I think they score. I think they score. 10 or 13 points before half because first or second drive, they're going to score a touchdown because the defense is new. And then they're going to have one more good drive where – they end in a field goal and that's when the defense starts to take over. So then within two and a half quarters they just need ten more points. Any interceptions, fumbles, any good field position, that's that's you know a field goal there. And then a touchdown in the fourth quarter with like two minutes left against the third string with CJ Hicks out there. Uh and Kai ooh, CJ Hicks and Kai Stokes, they're not scoring on them. No. It's I'm, gonna be the guys after that. Yeah, I'm gonna stick with 20, but it could easily be like 16, three field goals and one touchdown.
1: Yeah, no, uh, I think that's a good one. So we've got one 0 Ohio State. And the next two, we don't need to spend much time on at all. Uh, Arkansas State. 66-0. Get, yeah, 66 to zero, 66 to. Three, I don't know. It's not gonna be close. The Toledo Rockets Ohio State likes to go a little lighter on their Ohio locale, the little brethren, you know. So I I don't think it's as bad as the Arkansas State game, but not because it can't be. I just think the the gas aspect
0: it'll be like fifty-six to ten, honestly. I was going to say That's funny I was going to say 55-9 That's one point Off of both of yours Yeah
1: so I think 3-0 is very much Safe I wouldn't call Wisconsin A trap game Because I think You've got two very So Notre Dame Is going to be tough You're going to throw out Your experience You're going to throw out the Players you trust the most, and then Arkansas State Toledo, you're really gonna get a test the rest of the roster, see what they're made of. And then Wisconsin, I think, it's the first game we're gonna see the real 2022 Ohio State football team.
0: Yeah, uh,
1: score prediction though, Wisconsin up these
0: games 17.
1: I think that's where I'm at. I, I had, I think I was gonna say 41 to 14. I don't know how they get 41, but I think that's what I was feeling. 41, uh,
0: five touchdowns, three, two field goals.
1: Yeah, I think that. Because Wisconsin's got a very good red zone defense. They play tough. And I think early it's going to be a little nerve-wracking, but I think Ohio State scores two touchdowns late. It's going to feel a lot like the Penn State game to me where it's like, this shouldn't be that close, but it's not going to be as ugly.
0: Okay, yeah, what did I say? I said 38, 38 to the, yeah,
1: 38 17. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think Wisconsin it, it's really going to test that thing everyone says that you hate to talk about. I'm not going to bring it up, we don't need to, but the 425 can defend the run, guys. That's not why they couldn't stop the run last year,
0: literally. I don't, I just like. My only question to people who think about this: What defense do you think half of the NFL is playing? What defense do you think half of college football is? But like when you watch, yeah. do you only hear four two, five, or do you not actually like literally say, like four two, five is rampant in the NFL? It is so rampant that play players are fighting for the nickel to become a position, and all whole and designating for Pro Bowl and All-Pro, so they stop getting put behind corners. It is rampant. There are very few teams that still play a 3-4 in the NFL, and you can name them. It's the Patriots. It's the Ravens. It's the Buccaneers. I think it's the
1: Packers. For the most part, it's a glorified 3-3-5. But Which yeah. turns into a 4-2-5 because most of the time the outside linebackers playing as a
0: stand-up end. So uh, Yeah, with two defensive linemen. So it's essentially a 4-2-5 with two stand-ups. So it's like this is what the league is doing. This is what everyone's doing. And some of these teams stop the run. Stopping the run has nothing to do with the alignment. You has can stop the gap, run Responsibility. the worst defense ever. You could stop the run and uh, uh, a one 6 uh, four, Which would just be the stupidest defense ever created if your players had gap integrity and could fire on the run. It'd be good. Yeah, you'd be fine. Uh, but, yeah, I think that's
1: going to be where we finally get a test of Ohio State up front against Wisconsin. All right, Rutgers, the Scarlet Knights. I just pulled up the Winsopedia page. Rutgers has never beat Ohio State. Uh, I want to make sure historically. But, yeah, 8 to 8-0. 2014 to 2021. I didn't know if they had one in like 1896. I didn't want to be wrong. I had a feeling it was eight to zero. Does Rutgers get their first win against Ohio State in conference play?
0: Does Rutgers get two touchdowns against Ohio State? Is the real question.
1: It is last uh, last year is 52 to 13. 26. six. Forty nine. I think. <sighs> Yeah, 52-13 might be my score prediction for this year. i did say
0: 55-13.
1: But, yeah, I yeah. just think, once again, Ryan Day does not bully Greg Schiano and Rutgers.
0: He bullies them in the first half, but he pulls the foot off the gas quick against them. But the backups are better on offense this year, so that's going to be hard to do. Kyle McCord's actually going to score. And he's he's gonna, especially because he's trying to make his case. Case for the last job, game, yeah. I'm just trying to make sure that he didn't, like ruin the game so yeah 55 13 sounds good to me yeah i don't think they i don't think that's
1: a problematic one at all i think that's outside of like there's been a few where they get to that like three touchdown range but it just mostly is in the second half and i think the defensive subs are going to be better but it's also not like it used to be where it was 49-7, to 7, 50 to 0 56-0, like when Chris Ash was the coach. So Rutgers uh-huh. is more competitive. Ohio State's just not the fair measuring stick for that. All right. Last year, Ohio State killed Michigan State. They're next on the schedule. Um, I'm looking at it right now. I wanted, I just we'll want to make sure I have the score. 56-7.
0: Yeah, that's what I thought.
1: I think the 7 will stay the same, but I think it's going to be more 42-7. to I just think it's in East Lansing. They're going to have the grass tall. Ohio State always starts slow in East Lansing. So I think it'll be like... I don't even think it'll be 7-7 early. It'll be like 7-0 until like... Four minutes to go in the second quarter And Ohio State's going to score twice before the half And just blow it open
0: I'm going to go
1: 41-17 Yeah uh,
0: Jaden Reed is the good Jaden Reed's a guy So he's going to get a touchdown test. Yeah, I, I'm not a believer
1: in Peyton Thorne And if the pass rush is better Yeah Because our
0: defense wasn't good last year And they held him to 7 Yeah it's, but it, so it's hard to lower the points on offense because I don't think their secondary is going to be good. So it could really just be the same.
1: Yeah, but, but I think nice. playing in East Lansing, getting to East Lansing sucks. It's a gross field.
0: What did I say? 41?
1: Yeah, you uh, said 41.
0: Uh, I'll keep it. 41-17. I'll keep it. All right, gotcha. All right, so next
1: game is Iowa, all right? Oh. I, I, I I don't know how this one – I don't know how to approach – it's harder to approach teams you don't play as often. But I do think Ohio State's last game was 55-24, to 24 and a big reason that happened was because JT Barrett threw four passes to the other team. I don't think C.J. Stroud is going to do that. I could honestly I, – I don't know if – was offense is capable of scoring 24 points against anybody so I, I could honestly see this being like a 35 24 game I think this one could play out exactly like the Nebraska game last year
0: oh we're way off uh 59 to 12 <clears throat> they get four field goals no touchdowns.
1: I, I see. I just don't think they. I, if they score, they're going
0: to score touchdowns. I think. Don't they, they have a good running back? I believe. No, they kicked so many field goals last year. Like literally, they kick Like they would get the ball on the opponent's thirty-five, move the ball seven yards, and kick a field goal. They yeah. won games off of field goals. They're not. And then, and then when they didn't get the ball in opponent's territory, they didn't move the ball at all. I don't think yeah. they scored a touchdown. All right. All right. I can this see that. Bad. It's a bad offense.
1: I think I think thirty-five to 12, 35 to fourteen, that's the range I'm sticking with. I think I, I don't think CJ Stroud will play bad, but I don't think it'll be his sharpest day. Or this could be the one where like CJ Stroud's like, yeah, I'm the first pick in the draft. Look at what I did this Iowa defense that makes everybody struggle. That's
0: what I'm going with. And 59 to 12. I can see that. Penn State's really right. gonna have the low game. Penn State's gonna be like uh thirty-three to twenty-four. 30, yeah, <laughs> something just it's gonna be like
1: <sighs> All right. Next on the list we've got Penn State at Penn State. I I think a similar score to last year could be very reasonable. They're they're always a tough team. They play good at home. They don't win at home, but I think they're gonna be in it late and it's gonna take it's gonna it's gonna raise the heart rate. I've got,
0: I'm going to go with 35 to 24. That's exactly what I was going to say, so I'm going to keep it. Yeah.
1: Uh, Let's go next one. We've got Northwestern Uh, 56 to like uh, an ugly score, like 11.
0: 63 to 9. Yeah, it's not
1: going to be pretty. It's at Northwestern, but I'm – okay, this is one thing, and I don't want to spend too much time on it, but I hate when people are like – Oh, they have to go play on grass. It's going to slow them down. No, it's not. It, it slows down Northwestern's players, too. They hmm. all have to play on the same field. I don't know how that always ends. And they're not running four threes. Yeah, so if you run a 4-3 on turf and you run a 4-5 on grass, guess what? That guy who runs a 4-5 on grass is going to run a 4-7 on grass.
0: Hmm. Basically. Uh,
1: yeah, we're, I, I don't think that's going to be a close one. I don't think that's necessarily – one that i'd call i could be a little bit of a trap game just going to penn state then going to northwestern but i don't think it's like a game ohio state's gonna lose so i can't really call it a trap game i just they might not be sharp is more where i'd lean but i think that could be a game where Trayvon henderson just puts on a show has like 250 yards and three touchdowns
0: the only trap game
1: on the schedule is maryland yeah and we're i mean indiana's next uh Let's see what they did to them last year because I remember it being bad because Indiana talked it. a lot of trash about not being in the Big Ten title game. It was 54-7 to seven last year. I don't think they're going to be better this year, but they'll actually have a quarterback that well, – I don't know if I could say that
0: with confidence because kind of injuries are crazy. But – uh if, if have, is not con, the only difference between Connor bezoacc and Michael Penix jr is he doesn't get injured he doesn't, yeah, I will I say, say students, he just don't get injured so
1: when Ohio State played Indiana last year they didn't even have Connor Basilak or Michael Penix jr they had a true freshman who probably shouldn't have been taking snaps at the FPS level last year so that there'll be better. they should be better than that but I don't think they don't have Ty for I, They don't have Peyton shot. They don't have anybody back. The team was really bad last year. 100-16. Yeah, I think this might be the most lopsided loss Indiana's ever had. No, but I mean, I don't think Indiana's a team that Ryan Day feels the need to take the foot off the gas, and I think at this point in time, it's time to start putting the hammer down because – you need to just start, like, no mercy. Like, it's time. The season's ending. Like, we need to start getting ready for November 26th, and that means getting the we're, – we're just murdering people at that point. All right, next at Maryland. I don't – like, it's at Maryland. That sucks. I don't think going to Rutgers or Maryland is very nice. It'll probably be the Big Ten Network game. That they have to play mandatory, 7 p.m. The interconference game. So that's going to be ugly. It's going to be late. It's not going to be any fun. They've got Rakeem Jarrett. They've got Dante Dimas Jr. They've got Talia Tagovalea. Their defense isn't any good. But it's also the week right before the game. So a lot of red flags here. For the potential trap game. But I'm not over-talking myself. I think Ohio State wins it like 56 to 31, and it makes people feel very uneasy going into Michigan about the defense.
0: Yeah, it's going to make people feel uneasy because they don't understand how good Maryland's offense is going to be. Maryland has top 10 offense in the country, potential. Their yeah. offense, if they have a running game, which I'm not sure that they're going to, because – their running back is literally killing it on the Chiefs. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco, people did not realize how good he was. I don't know how they're going to replace him. If they had a running back, if I knew they had a running back, I would book it top 10 because I don't. I'm going to say top 17. Their offense is going to be spectacular. If no one gets injured, uh, um, Talua Tugavaloa already broke Maryland's records with 3,500 yards and 26 t- I, That's crazy. I know it stats almost by heart because I just wrote an article about it. He had thirty five hundred touchdowns, twenty six interceptions, twenty six touchdowns, eleven interceptions. He could easily go for four thousand thirty touchdowns and eight interceptions if he puts it all together. They're going to be spectacular. They're just going to be Maryland. So they're yeah. not going to. Win. They could very easily win eight games. I'm only projecting them at six because they're Maryland. So, but with that all, <laughs> they so really should. Yeah, Mike Locks is just a terrible coach. Uh, but Maryland could easily win eight games. They could easily be Purdue of the East. Um, yeah, I, I reasonably agree with that. And that's why
1: if they were – if Ohio State wasn't playing them the week before Michigan, I had to have like zero concerns about getting ahead of yourself, you know? But – Gonna be they're gonna be itching and it's in maryland that sucks that's really bad yeah
0: i don't i don't have those concerns about it being above maryland above right before michigan i just think maryland's gonna have like their offense is gonna go crazy on everyone yeah and you know i think that'll be the game where we
1: really learn about the pass rush <laughs>
0: I'm telling you right now, if they hold Maryland under 17, I will go online after this game and predict Ohio State winning a national championship because that means their defense is special.
1: Yeah. All right, I, I've got 56-31. I'm going to go with that. I like that. All right. Uh, the Michigan game. Um, yeah, I, I personally – I think it'll be like a 42-17 game.
0: You do not like field goals. No, I'm not a fan of field goals. Not especially for Ohio State. They don't they don't need They're a go. I want to kick goals. field goals though. So I'm gonna go maybe 41-17. 5 17 If Ohio State's
1: kicking field goals against Michigan after last year, I'm gonna be pissed off. It's gonna be a 50-yarder. Be yeah, I also want I also wonder I know Ruggle see it drafted need maybe start yeah. thinking about field goals more. Uh but yeah, I, I just think it's both PM Eastern on Fox. It's the in Ohio Stadium, uh, in the shoe. It's just it's it's just there's gonna be so much anger going into that game. I just think if Ohio State could like just I, like harness it—that's the word I was looking for. It should look a lot like the two thousand nineteen game. Yeah, that's it, what Six
0: twenty-seven.
1: I don't see sixty-two thirty-nine. I don't think Michigan can score that many points this year if if Jim Knowles' defense is good as it seems. And this is when it should be really good, so. Yeah. So, yeah. But, yeah, I think that what's that put us at
0: 12-0. Easily.
1: So, that was looking at every game individually. <laughs> we all know football doesn't happen that way. So, we will go into that, and that's our schedule prediction. That's really the show. The last thing on my mind, when this show releases on Friday, the next book off you listen to, will be previewing the matchup against Notre Dame.
0: more could you want nothing there's nothing better than that
1: (laughs) so stay with us uh this will probably we'll probably keep the shows a little shorter because we'll have an instant recap the next day um but yeah uh, it was a fun off season i'm glad we did this i'm glad we made it through it uh i don't think a buck off missed a show from the time the season ended to now so Consistency is what you get here. But yeah, that's always. it. At Chris Rennie CFB, you can find me at Buck Off Pod. You can find the show. Jordan, where can we find you?
0: You can find me at Jordan W three three zero. And
1: we'll be tweeting all season long. So make sure you're following us for everything outside of our podcast and writing that we do. But we appreciate the time spent this off season and next week. Well, actually, after this show, there's football. So. It's football season.
0: Doesn't get no better than that. It really doesn't. Football season is uh, best time in the world, and that's it for that's it for me. It's football season. Go Bucks!